So we're continuing our study of the, the book of Galatians. Uh, we are in week four, and this is, so we have a few weeks left. Uh, in fact, so this is four, we have two weeks after today, and we're going to finish uh, the letter of Galatians. And, and when we do that, then we go straight into our Christmas series. And so again, the, the year is kind of winding down. We're kind of in the downhill run there through that. But I just want to encourage you as, as, as we finish this, and as we're looking forward to the Advent season, um, what I want to challenge you to do is to, um, to think in your mind, right, who do I need to invite to come with me this Christmas season to church? Yeah, and during, during the Christmas season, people are, are kind of more open to God, right, more open to, the, to, to church and attending. And, and this is a good opportunity, again, for, for you to bring someone with you. In fact, God has sent all of us. If we're a believer in Christ, we are on mission for him, right? We are told we are to share our faith, okay? And we are to help spread God's kingdom and spread the gospel. And so again, this Christmas season, I feel like, is a great opportunity to do that. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go through a series titled Away in a Manger. Okay, and that's our Advent series. We're gonna be looking at that. And, and this is a great opportunity, again, just of the basics of our faith. And as we walk through, you know, just who Jesus is and, and why he was sent, right, as that baby and, and, and all of the hope and the love and, and the joy that comes. I mean, that's what those Advent candles are as we light them every week, right, as we're focusing on what, what God brings through the Christ child into our lives and into this world. So this is a great opportunity for you to invite someone with you. And so again, think, I mean, literally, I, I challenge you, write down a name that God puts on your, on your heart okay, and pray for that person every day. And pray for God to open opportunities for you to have those conversations with them. Not just to invite them to church, right? But to talk to them about who God is. Right? And talk to them about what God wants to do in their lives, right? And what he's doing in your life. And, and to open up those lines of communication and that, that chance to, to bring them with you. So that you can grow through this Advent season as well as them, right? Um, as we do that, we rise to that challenge this, on this morning as we continue through Galatians 4. Okay, we've already seen that this letter, right, this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Okay, and this is a very personal defense of the true gospel. We've seen through these first uh, few chapters, you know, in fact, as we've, we've passed the halfway point of the letter, um, and we've seen, again, this, this very personal um, as well as formal defense of the true gospel. Like I said, at times it presents formal information, at others it is kind of sarcastic, and then at the next turn it feels very passionate and blunt. Again, we see Paul kind of change his tone several times throughout the letter, and today as we continue to study through it into chapter 4, okay, is that the letter takes another turn. And he's already established these different things. And again, he's defended himself from these rival um, Jewish Christian teachers. He's made the case for saved by grace, not by works. And now today we see Paul plead for them to move on from this place. Hey, we've, again, he's already clearly defined where they are and how they got there. And now he says... It's time to move on. It's time to move on from here and move on, not just move on, but move in a positive direction. It's time to bring this new season of your life and in your faith as it's restored through this experience, right, of this false teaching that has crept its way in. So I invite you to get to open with me uh, to Galatians chapter 4. 
Okay? And as we see this, this plea of Paul here in a few different ways, if you're here with us in person and don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats. You're welcome to, to grab and use. And you'll notice the page numbers there where you can find it in those Bibles. You're with us online, you can grab your Bible as well. Um, and we're going to read this first section, again, Galatians 4, 8 through 20. And again, just keep your Bible open. We're going to go back to it uh, a couple different times. But in this section, we see the first challenge that Paul presents for them to move forward. Now, Paul presents the same challenge. He says, hey, guys, it's time to move on, right? It's time to move to a new place. And he, he makes this plea through a, different, a few different perspectives, a few different ways that he makes this same point. In this first section, okay, is they are challenged to move on from a personal perspective. Okay, like I said, this, the, the letter takes on a completely different tone at this moment. Okay, in fact, this is a very personal section as we're going to read the text, but we'll see that Paul truly bears his heart to them. If, if this was a face-to-face meeting with Paul, okay, this is that, that time, this moment in the meeting where there's kind of this awkward silence and, and we're kind of like, well, what kind of, okay, we've, we've gone, we've hashed this out now, kind of what's next? And, and out of the awkward silence, you kind of look and you'd see tears in Paul's eyes. Okay, and then he would continue with these words. And so just kind of, I didn't want to set the tone right before we read this. This is the tone of this right here. Picking up Galatians 4 verse 8. He says, Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world. You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. And I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those things loss. Again, I want to pause right there because I think in, in these verses, we, we again see kind of, again, the tone change of the text. We, we see again Paul's heart, gotta be, he bears it to them. And, and in fact, what we see from Paul is here in these verses, he is bearing his pastoral heart. Again, his, he's in this pastoral position, right? Not only did he present them the gospel, did he plant this church, but, but he has a heart for the people. Again, as we look at scripture, I mean, in fact, the description of a pastor in scripture, of the gift of, of pastor shepherd, is that is one of a shepherd, one that cares for the flock that's been entrusted to him. Again, I could tell you as, as I read these words and sit down and, and look at Paul bearing his pastoral heart, as I will tell you, as I identify with these words. Okay, as your pastor, I will tell you again that, that he, he lays into this, right, of like, of how much he pleads for them, how much he prays for them, how much he, he you know, cares for them, right? And, he, and he, he just kind of lays out his heart. He's like, please get this right. He literally even says in here, right? He's like, have, 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 has all of my effort been worthless? 
Are you going to follow this false teaching? Are you going to go down the wrong road? Again, you see in, in verses 10 through 12, right? He, he says, you're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or scenes or years. And I fear for you. But perhaps all my hard work with you is for nothing. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom. Because I've been, like you Gentiles, free from those laws. And again, he's, he's kind of burying his own soul, right? He's, he's showing them this. He's like, I have pleaded for you. I have worked for you. I, I've poured, poured out my, all of my effort and my love for you and my care for you. And, and, and now, because of this situation, he, again, he's confessing. He's like, and I'm wondering if it was worth it. Was it worth it? Because I, I fear for you. Right, and again, even if you're not a pastor, even if you, that's not your spiritual gifting and that's not something God's, like, we can all identify with this, right? Even if it's just your own faith journey or the faith journey of your family or your kids, right, or extended family, like, we all have people that we have this kind of pastoral care for, right, that we've done everything we can for them to, to get it, right, and to know Jesus and to, to follow him, and, and then we see them make these decisions that just distract them, right, or send them down a wrong road, and, and Paul just bears his pastoral heart. He's like, guys, I, I care so deeply for you, right? This, this is how much it matters, right? And as he challenges them to move on from this personal perspective, we see him bear his pastoral heart, and as if that's not enough motivation, right, he continues on, right, in these next verses, so go back with me again, picking up here, right where we left off, okay, uh, at verse 12, middle of verse 12. He says, you did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and you cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where's that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. And if someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. We see here again, not, he, not only do we see his pastoral heart in those first verses, now here he takes it to an entirely the next level, doesn't he, right? Because here Paul bears his relational heart. Right, this is where Paul's down and he's like, again, yes, I've been called as, you know, as, uh, with a pastoral heart and to, to, to invest in you, but he's like, but, but we're friends. Right? He's like, I, I care deeply for you. Right, yeah, I, I don't just see you, again, as, as my flock of my congregation or people that I teach to. He's like, he's like we, we are, go much deeper than that. Yeah, we, we see, in, again, verses 16 and 17, 
Right? He's like, and now have I become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Those false teachers, they're so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. And they're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. Now, again, as we see his heart and his tone, again, going even to this deeper level, there's just this side note that you've got to pull in here, right? And I think he gives us this, this incredible red flag, right, that we need to, to see if we see it in people. And the, kind of the side note, this red flag warning of any leader is that if they isolate you from any other influence or information other than themselves, you need to run. Fast. Right? Run as fast as you can. Okay, look, that's exactly what he's saying. He's like, again, as he's bearing his own relational soul, right? He's like, it's, I'm not just your pastor. Like, I'm your friend, right? And like, this, 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 our relationship is at this level, and I care this deeply for you. And, and if somebody, right, is, is only about themselves, right, and they're trying to shut you off from any other influence, and they say, no, you just have to follow what I say, right? He's like, then run from them because their intentions are not good. Okay, and with that said, right, as, as he lays this out, right, he, he again exemplifies, right, the fact that truth and love can coexist. Right, he's saying, hey, we, our relationship is, is at this place, and I care deeply for you, not just as a pastor, but just personally, like, we're friends, and, and like, my heart breaks for you, right, and I fear for you with all of this. He's like, and again, we were, we were so close, and yet now that I'm coming and telling you the truth, all of a sudden, I'm your enemy? He's like, again, this is a moment, he's saying, he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, truth and love can coexist. In fact, if we look at Scripture, in fact, Scripture tells us it has to coexist. Right? That if I truly love you, I have to tell you the truth. Right? I can't just let you go down a road that's going to be self-destructive, that's going to lead you away from God, right? That in this, is because I love you, I have to tell you the truth. And, and again, as I look at this section, and, and again, I'll just, I'll just tell you, standing here as your pastor, right, is like, I identify with these words so much. Right, there are times in my life, in my heart, in my ministry, right, that my heart has been broken. Right, times when I felt like that God told me I have to tell the truth, and it has severed relationships. Right? And this is where Paul is in this moment, right? He's bearing his heart and he's pleading with them, right? Here we are and now we got to move on, right? To in a positive direction, right? We know how we got, we know the problem. And now he's like, I'm pleading with you just on a personal level. Let's move on, right? Let's move to a new place. Let's see God work, right? In ways that we haven't even seen him yet. And then in, in the next section, right, after he kind of bears his heart to them, we see in this, this next section of the letter, Galatians 4, verses 21 through 31, um, he takes a different approach. I mean, it takes another turn, right? I mean, we see Paul is using any way he can to try to get through to them. Okay, after he bears his, his pastoral heart and from this personal perspective, okay, the next thing that he gives them is he challenges them to move forward from a historical perspective. 
right? Now, again, this section, and I encourage you to read it. We're not going to read this section today. Um, I encourage you to go back this week, go back and read it for yourself, okay? But here, he, once again, he appeals back to Abraham, right? He appeals back to the, to the history of God and his interaction with his people and, and the, the original covenant that is made there, okay? And, and again, he appeals back to, to the history. In fact, um, we see in verse 21, right, this just kind of summarizes this section, Okay, and he says, tell me, you who want to live under law, do you know what the law actually says? Okay, he's challenging them. He's like, hey, if you want to go back, like, I'm challenging you, look back at the history. Look at, at how God has worked, how God has spoken through Abraham, through Moses, through the law. Right? Go back and look at the history and know what you're committing to. In fact, in this section, he goes all the way back to Abraham, the promise that God gave him. He quotes passages from Isaiah and Genesis, and he draws a parallel with two of Abraham's sons, Ishmael and Isaac, and who have two different mothers, okay? one Hagar and one Sarah. In fact, you can find this entire story can be found in Genesis chapters 15 through 21. Okay, for obvious reasons, we don't have time to go back and dig into that this morning. Okay, but um, again, the spiritual concept that we need to learn that he's presenting to them is to trust God to fulfill his promises. Don't take the matters into our own hands. Okay, in fact, that's what Abraham and Sarah did. They took matters into their own hands, and that's why they ended up with Ishmael through, through Hagar. Right? And then but where God's plan right, was is Isaac through Sarah. Okay, because when we, when we do that, right, when we take matters into our own hands and we do God's work for him, right, then we just mess it up, right? And we make it way more complicated than it has to be. And that's exactly what Abraham and Sarah do. Again, this is that moment, right, when Paul is like, hey, you better read your history books. Okay, this is basically him saying this famous quote, right, that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. <laughs> right? He's like, God, you don't want to go there. Right? Do you even know what the law actually says? Again, this, we see through this section, then in the next section, right, in Galatians 5, verses 1 through 15, Paul takes another turn. Okay, and and he, he makes the same plea again from a different perspective. And in this text, okay, they are challenged to move forward from a faith perspective. Again, he kind of takes this side, he, right, he goes and he bears his, his heart on a personal perspective. He goes back through the historical perspective, and now he goes back to what the whole point of the letter is, and that is the faith perspective. So let's, we're going to read this here in Galatians 5, 1 through 15. He says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live in the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You are running the race so well. 
Who's held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings, and God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say that I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, and don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out and beware of destroying one another. Again, as we read this section, again, he's just pleading with them. He's like, guys, let's move on. Let's move on from this. It's time to move on. And here's all that we've already been over, right? And he kind of summarizes a lot that he's already covered in the letter. But he starts out with verse 1. And verse 1 kind of sets, right, is the thesis statement for this entire section of why it's time to move on. He says that Christ has truly set us free. And now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. And then in the following verses, he actually gives them three different things to do to stay free. He says, you have been set free, right? When you receive Christ your Savior. And the same is true now. That's how you are set free. That's how you join the journey of faith. That's how you start your life in a new direction. You pray and receive Christ as your Savior. It is by grace through faith, not of works. And the same then is true now. And if you're here today, right, struggling, seeking freedom, meaning why can't I be set free? It starts with, have you received Christ as your Savior? And if you haven't done that, that's where you start. That's how you join the journey of faith. And he says, now once you've been set free, right, once you've done that, once you, you have a restored relationship with God, right, you've prayed, confessed your sins, been washed by the blood of the Lamb, everything we celebrated with communion today, right, once that happens in your life, now fight to stay free. And here's some things that you need to do to continue that fight, right? The first one that he presents, right, for to stay free is we need to keep a correct perspective of good works. Okay, keep a correct perspective of good works. Now, again, this is not new content, is it? Right? This is something he's already been over, over and over again, several times in the letter already. Right? We are saved by grace, not by works. Okay, we've seen this, but he says, again, keep a correct perspective. Right? Verse 6, he says, For when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is your faith expressing itself in love. He's saying, hey, there's no benefit in good works at this point when it comes to your salvation, right? You're already saved, right? And what you do or what you don't do does not change how much God loves you, and it does not change how much God is continuing to transform your life, right, and his desire for you and whether he will save you or not save you. Hey, once you have been set free through Christ, right, you are free. There's no benefit of being circumcised or not circumcised. He's like, but there is a benefit, right, in your in a way, and how is your faith going to grow, right? Well, your faith is going to grow in expressing itself in love. And how do we show love? Well, mainly through good works. 
right? That's how we love God back, right? Is we do what he tells us to do, <laughs> right? We, we are obedient, right, to his leading in our lives. We're obedient to his word. We're obedient to, to even, you know, that law that, that, that shows us how God wants us to do life. Like, just like we saw last week, though, right, is we keep a correct perspective. We do good works because of our salvation, not for it. Amen. Right? We do good works to grow in our faith, not to keep our faith. Right? And there is a connection, right? In fact, again, James has some very strong words about this connection, right, of faith and good works. He says faith without works is dead, right? Meaning that if you don't pursue good works, right, because of your salvation, that your faith is going to struggle. But keep a proper perspective, right? And that's how you stay free. That's the first thing you need to do, right? Keep a proper perspective. I do it because of my salvation, not for it. Yeah, I do it to build God's kingdom because life's not about me anymore. I keep a correct perspective of good works. Okay, the next thing that he gives us, the second thing that he points out in verses 7 through 12, is he says, don't let anyone confuse you about the true gospel. Don't let anybody confuse you. Again, just like then, the same is true now. In fact, it might be more true now than it was when Paul wrote the letter. There is all kinds of false gospels in this world. Hey, there are all kinds of different versions of what it means to follow God and what God, all right? And, and he says, always go back to the foundation. Don't let anybody confuse you. Don't let anybody confuse you, right? You need to know. And again, how do you know the true gospel? Well, you study the true gospel, right? So that when somebody says something that doesn't match the true gospel, you know instantly that's not right. Again, you, use the bank teller method. Again, the bank teller method is, you know how bank tellers know that there's a counterfeit bill? They don't study the counterfeits, they study the real bill. Right, and they know all of the, they know the paper, they know the feeling, they know the watermarks, they know everything that's supposed to be there for it to be true and genuine bill. Right, so that when they see the fake one, it's obvious instantly. Don't let anybody confuse you about the true gospel. And you know how you know the true gospel? Read it. <laughs> Study it, right? Don't take their word for it. Don't take my word for it. Read it yourself. Right? In fact, he already addressed this certain letter, didn't he? Right? Don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't look at it yourself. Right? Don't just blindly follow a leader. Don't, don't let him cut you off, right, from the, the source of the information, right? Do it yourself. He says in, in verses 7 and 9, he says, you were running the race so well. Who's held you back from following the truth? It wasn't God. For he, he is, um, is not, he's the one that called you to freedom, right? He's not the one that's holding you back. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Right? He's saying, man, there's these little you know, nuggets right, that we just want to hear, and then we're just going to jump on, and they spread so fast if we let them spread. Right? He says, don't let them spread. Don't let anybody confuse you. Right? And then you'll stay free. And the, the, the last thing that he, he gives us here in verses 13 through 15, right, to make sure we stay free, we need to use our freedom to build God's kingdom, not our own. 
In fact, that's the whole foundation of our faith, right? Is the fact that as a follower of Jesus, as a saved person, right, that life's not about me at all anymore. It's about God. It's not about building my own kingdom. It's about God. It's the fact that, that I don't own any, anything, right? Everything I have is God's. Right? He's letting me use it. And I'm going to be a steward of what I have for God's purposes. Right? Use your freedom to build God's kingdom, not your own. As he says in verse 13, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. So don't use your freedom to satisfy your own sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Again, what we have, we use in a different way, right? We're not using it for ourselves. And in fact, when he talks about our sinful nature, at the heart of our sinful nature, every sin is rooted in selfishness. Okay, every sin is rooted in selfishness. And as we look at that, again, he's saying, don't live for yourself anymore. That's, you're not living for yourself anymore. You're living for God. Right? You're his child, right? You're living for his, you're his heir. You're living for, for the, the, the reputation, right, and the eternity of God's family, not you. He's the one worthy of your worship. He is the one, again, that, is, that is, is, has not just saved you, but is changing you, Right? And he's saying, don't use your freedom, right, to go down the wrong road. Use your freedom to grow in Christ, right, and to build God's kingdom, not yours. And in fact, the more, I mean, we talk about the more you give away, the more that God can work. Right, the more that God's love comes, flows through you, the more not only that you feel love, but the more that that flows out, right? And in fact, that's what he says, right? He says, serve one another in love. The more you serve, right, the more that you grow, right? The more that it flows through you, right? In fact, because what happens if it just comes to you and it stays? It, it gets stagnant, right? He's saying, no, you are just a conduit for God's love. You're a conduit for God's light. You're a conduit for God's blessings, right? For God's truth, all those things, right? It comes out, but I don't keep it for myself. I pass it on, right? And that's how I find the true benefit, Right, and we, again, look at our vision and look at our strategy, right? This is whole, that's why the consume and contribute, right, is, is the more that I consume the things of God, the more that God leads me to help others, to serve others in love, right, to serve his kingdom, not mine. And the more that I serve, the more that I learn about me and the more I grow, the more I consume of that. And we start this ongoing healthy cycle in our lives, right, of receiving from God and passing it on, right? And that's, again, how we stay free. As we look at this challenge, right, this, this, this goal, even the goal of our faith, right, is, is to be transformed by God's Spirit, to have a restored relationship with Him, to spend eternity with Him, right, in His unhindered presence. And again, we are moving towards that every day, right? Once we join the journey of faith, we receive Him as our Savior. We surrender our lives and our heart and our minds and our will to Him, right? Then we, we have been set free, and now we fight every day to stay free. And to build God's kingdom, not ours. As we look at this challenge, right, the obvious challenge is, one, have you received Christ as your Savior? I I hope you have. If you haven't, I hope you will today. And if you have, though, then are you moving forward? Are you growing? Are you, are you maturing in your faith? Are you studying God's word? Are you, are you following through and being obedient to what he calls you to do? Are, are you spreading his light in this dark world? Are you loving others even when they're unlovable because God loved you when you were unlovable? 
right? Are, are you growing? And, and because, again, that is the challenge, to grow, to keep moving. Am I more like Christ tomorrow than I am today? Am I moving forward in my journey? It which brings me to my final thought today, and that is this. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. It says, then you will no longer be immature like children. You won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. And we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Boy, doesn't that describe our world today. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And that's what we declare today. We are God's church and he is the head of our body, right? And we will grow and we will be mature and we will live out our faith every day. Thinking, what do you need to do in your life? What's the next step of your journey to keep growing? Maybe the first step is to join the journey, to pray, receive Christ your savior. Hey, maybe it's to follow through, maybe to be, to just study more. I don't, whatever your next step is, commit to take that step today. Continue to grow. Lord God, we do praise you, Lord, no matter what we face, because we know that no matter what we face, you set us free. And Lord, we claim your love, we claim your grace. Lord, we claim that freedom every day, and even in the midst of the storm, that we know you're with us. God, even in the midst of, of a false teaching, or if we go astray, Lord, we know that by your grace, it's one step back to you. And we thank you for that today. And God, as we go from here, Lord, we commit to being your church. God, to representing you well. God, of growing in our faith and sharing you, God, with, with anybody who needs you. God, as we go this week, I pray, God, that we would make progress forward in our own faith. And God, we would help somebody else to move forward in theirs as well. Lord, we go from, from this place today, God, claiming our freedom. We're fighting to stay free every day and to build your kingdom, not our own. Lord, guide us as we go this week, as we live out our faith, as we represent you. Lord, as we shine your light in this dark world and as we grow to be more like you every day. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. Thank you for loving us and guide us as we go this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.